You're listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to Go Plug Yourself. We've been talking to awesome people in Montreal since 2011. Just a friendly reminder that if you're going to be buying anything on Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, or Zazzle.com, uh, go to 9to5.cc first and click the links at the bottom or in the sidebar so that we get a bit of that money. Uh, f- also, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and enjoy the show. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself. Yo, Walter. Hey. This is a very special episode of Go Plug Yourself. We're talking to a ghost today. Talking to a ghost. We've joined the afterlife and we're talking to a ghost on the radio. Am I dead, guys? Is that what's happening? Is, is it me that's dead? We have a guest co-host today. We, the ghost of Stephen Trepanier. I'm dead. <laughs> the ghost, of, Tre- the ghost of Stephen Trepanier has managed to get in touch with the ghost of our uh, uh, guest today. Stephanie. Who, who's oh, joining bye, bye, bye. us from the ghost of the West Coast. Right? West Coast, coast West to coast. West Coast, coast. Coast. Coast to coast with the West Coast ghost, Stephanie Morin Robert. Or, as she says it, Steph, you say it, it sounds better. Uh, Stéphanie Morin-Robert. There yeah. it is. That's way more French. Stéphanie Morin-Robert. Pronounce pronounce and yet, you grew up in Ontario, am I right? Yes. But well, you, but I'm you grew a up French in... Ontario. Yeah, but she grew up in Franco-Ontario. In Ontario. There's no such thing, though. There 100% there is Franco-Ontario. Nope. You know, yeah, my name is also a Franco-Ontarian name. <laughs> Did you just get angry and mash <laughs> the keypad? <laughs> she really wants you to believe that there's Franco-Ontarians. Well, there is. It's true. There are. It's there not are. a belief it's thing. Some... It's a it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. So so uh, <laughs> it's a very Keith, real thing. Keith, you're telling me that Steph's levels look okay here. Yeah, she's coming in loud and clear. Steph looks fine. She's a little low in in our headphones. Am I too loud? No, nope, everything, like everything is loud. fine, and I'll Steph, fix it in post. Steph, does it sound like I'm <laughs> screaming at you? <laughs> no, you guys sound great. Is there a delay? No. Uh, no, not well, like, that I know of. I've done this. I've done this with like the other podcast several times. And Do we I, sound like all staticky and stuff? Does it sound like we're in, inside of a, a cave in no, Afghanistan? You sound like you might be in a bathroom, but I figured that might be. A well, no, it's because it's one. Speaker. Well, guess what? We are in a bathroom. We're recording live from a bathroom, guys. Live in a bathroom. Live, live in the men's first. bathroom from where Comedy you get Works. The best audio, exactly. You get the best audio in the bathroom. Just a proven fact. <laughs> so yeah, so this is our. Hey, Steph. Uh, Steph, did you did you listen to my voicemail? To your voicemail? No. Okay, no, don't. I did not. Just delete, delete it. Okay. Just, just delete, delete it. Walter, right Walter said some very mean things just right off the bat. Okay, so I feel we should actually just start talking about the podcast thing because right now this is just very much a conversation that doesn't sound podcasting. Yeah, let's As jump opposed into to every it. other episode we've ever done. I, I know, but I mean, I feel we should try to get out of the gate a little on topic and then stray off topic as no, opposed to just it. starting all the way off topic. That's and just, literally every episode we've that. ever done. But this we've is just us talking about... 100 plus episodes <laughs> with that exact format, and now you're bitching about the format. I guess. Hey, Ep- Steph, what's up? <laughs> episode 102 is where I'm going to start to be a real stickler. <laughs> uh, Steph, is, you're uh, going to have a show next week. This is what you're on the show uh, for. We didn't just decide to call you up in BC for no reason. You actually have a show in Montreal, and I guess we should talk about that, and then we'll start getting distracted again. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have a show coming up. Um, I'm currently in Vancouver, but I'll be traveling to Montreal uh, to perform my solo show, Blindside, at Theatre St. Catherine, which is exciting because I've 
performed there before, but only for cabarets and kind of did short little things like with women in comedy and stuff like that. So I am quite excited uh, to be in that space and to do this show after being so far away from Montreal for so long. Now, now to be clear here, is this you mounting a sort of a one woman version of the, uh, the, you know, the, the much beloved uh, Sandra Bullock film with the uh, large black athlete? (laughs) About the the safety, right? It's like the the what was it? Was that not called? I think it's called Blindside. Blindside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's and it's about a big football guy. Yeah. And it's about a guy who protects the blind side of the quarterback. Right. Is that what that is that what this is stuff? Uh, very, you know, very not. Not, not that. anything like is that. <laughs> anything in the show related to you adopting a football prodigy? Uh, no, but Damn. that would definitely be a quality one woman show. <laughs> 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 a one-woman show about adopting a football where you, where you play both Sandra Bullock and a six-foot-five, uh, three hundred fifty-pound black man. What What is yeah. the show about? If it's If it's not the about show, that, which um, is now what is yeah, in my no, head, does not definitely does not involve any uh, form of football. But there is a dodgeball scene in it. Oh. Um, I remember the dodgeball. I had a creative. Yeah, I have a, I had a creative residency at Mainline Theater. Um, so I workshopped some stories that I developed slowly through, uh, or at Confabulation. Um, and that's where I kind of was like, Hey, I want to do a woman's show with all these stories about my glass eye. Oh yeah. Okay. So I have a glass eye. Hashtag she has a glass eye. (laughs) Oh, I know. On his show, I put it in his glass once. (laughs) My drink. You put it in my, you put it right in my drink. (laughs) And that was the night that Um, I didn't crunch down on your glass eye like an ice cube that I thought it was. Oh, yeah. I doubt you'd be able to crunch through it. But anyway, regardless. Uh, <laughs> Walter's I like, was... wait, challenge accepted. <laughs> you give me that glass eye, Stephanie. <laughs> no, no, not challenging you at all. But uh, the, <laughs> the, so the show started off, uh, it was titled Me, Myself, and I. I did a work in progress of it, a run of it at Mainline Theater. Uh, where this I is a great to... show, by the way. This, oh, thanks, thanks. So that was the kind of the trial first draft of it. Um, where it was just storytelling, uh, no props, nothing else. Um, now I've changed things up quite a bit. There's a bit of puppeting, maybe with the glass eye, oh. maybe not. Who knows? Uh, there's also uh, live projection where I'm I stand in front of a video camera, and behind me I have my face projected huge on the screen. So when I do subtle eye movements or play with the eye, take it out, um, puppet it, whatever it's really enhanced and invites the audience into the intimacy of those moments. Um, other than that, there's like a few things that have been added in. Uh, I do have a contemporary dance background, so there's a lot of movement happening in all of that, but mainly, um, mainly storytelling. And I tell stories from my childhood, um, a very particular moment of my childhood where I was uh, changing schools in the middle of the third grade. Uh, So my dad, who's a prospector, and he still is a prospector, uh, he found diamonds. And then this is like a big kind of 360 turn on life where we were suddenly living in a very, you know, rich neighborhood. and, And I was changing schools and I moved from Timmins, Ontario to Porcupine, Ontario, which felt like Porcupine a huge Ontario? distance. Yeah, Porcupine, Ontario. Um, it's <laughs> only four, it's a like 15 minutes away, but 
it felt like a whole new world and I had to reintegrate myself and uh, face, you know, horrible, tormenting children who have so many questions and not very much uh, empathy towards uh, something or someone who's different. Are you? So it's. I was going to say, are you a costumed superhero? Because this sounds like an origin story for a superhero. Like you have, like, <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you have a glass yeah. eye. Suddenly your prospector father strikes it rich, moves cities. I feel like builds a secret base of some kind with his diamond money. You're ridiculed at school, <laughs> but by night you're a costumed superhero saving the day. <laughs> This is what I'm putting together from your backstory. It's not far, not far from that. I I definitely have um, in in the show referred to the fact that I have this disability. Um, I refer to the disability as a superpower um, because I quickly understand that my glass eye is a tool and a weapon against all of my tormenting bullies and horrible replacement teachers. Uh, becomes a tool that I use when I want to get out of class, uh, for example. You know, <laughs> I just fake this scene where it falls out and it's a replacement teacher. She doesn't know how to deal with it. And usually there's a lot of, like, tears, people screaming, and the teacher puts it in a Ziploc bag and sends me home. So it's wow. it, just this realizing that I could use the eye and manipulate people into letting me do what I want to do. Do you like the worst school nurses? Like, I feel like at most that would be a trip to the nurse's office to like, okay, we're going to cope with this. Hey, Keith, hey, Keith, did you ever lose your eye at school? No, but exactly. Hey, do you know what my superpower was in school, Walter? Being a super jack off. Yeah, but also I could give myself a nosebleed (laughs) real easily. (laughs) What'd you do? Just like get up in there with the finger? Uh, No, just if I blew really, really hard, I could like burst a blood vessel so every so, okay. I, I did it like I, I on a test just blow my nose really hard bleed getting blood on the test means i'm retaking that test later sure. and leaving immediately to the nurse's office so it's not an eye but got you where you are today <laughs> exactly so that's what i'm saying so, so every time every you just time got sent like, home yeah, that's the, the best yeah, i don't i don't know the answer to this question <laughs> just like let out this horrible sneeze bleed all over the place yeah and then you're like all right research that Retake the test. Pretty much. Strategy. That was pretty much my my go to. Like I I think I think the last time I did it was grade eight. Like grade uh, eight. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They never caught on. They never were like, oh, this guy gets a lot of nosebleeds. Yeah, but I mean, what the hell is the matter with your nose? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. I I, like the last time I vividly remember doing it was was grade eight, and it was like it was. It was like I was like I had gone a long time without doing it, and then I was like really fucked on a math test, and was like, "It's time for old blood nose." <laughs> Is that what you call it? Old, old, uh, old, old faithful, old bloody nose. <laughs> because nothing, nothing. I mean, I'm not saying nothing because I mean, I guess the glass eye would be up there, but it's just like like stuff that people don't see every day. They just react so like weirdly too and blood is one of those things where people are just like oh shit uh, this is way where i'm like it's just a nosebleed man like it's not a big deal now steph how how long ago was that that you that you mounted that production at mainline uh, when it was entitled me myself and i oh i'm thinking back i think that was in 2013 or the beginning of 2014 was it that long yeah because it feels like it was a while ago yeah yeah it was a while ago and it was a big deal for me because i had never really done much uh, storytelling or or um, kind of, well, I've never done anything like where it was one woman and talking. I usually kind of don't say much and dance. That's That's been my main practice. Uh, so it was a, a huge turning point for myself because I realized how much I enjoyed 
storytelling and and layering that with other skills that I've I guess found in schools and in in friends and in workshops over the last few years. So uh, so yeah, it's been a while. It's great to bring it back. There's a new title. I feel like the new title is a little more mature. I'm a, I'm feeling a little more mature sometimes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's interesting how these story these stories have changed and shifted, and 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 my interpretation of them has changed as I mature and grow older. So it's, it's given me a different perspective. Uh, I, I mentioned my relationship with my mother in the show and that's constantly evolving and my understanding of it and frustration towards it is also changing. So it's, I feel like the show will never be complete where I'm like, all right, it's done. Now I'm just going to perform it a bunch. Mm -hmm. Um, every time I perform it, it feels so different, uh, probably because it's unscripted, but, uh, it's unscripted for the main reason of a script kind of terrifies me, to be honest. And um, I like to stay as present and real as, as I can. The show is quite vulnerable. I mean, I'm inviting people into stories that have really shaped me as a person. And uh, yeah, yeah. Did you, did you put the, sorry. Did you put the show no, on the ahead. shelf at any time or, or have you been like kind of like working for through it for like the past like two years or did you like step away from oh, it? Oh, definitely do some other stuff? on shelf. The show is always on shelf. Like I feel like um, the only time I really have work through things or try new things out is when I find performance opportunities to do it. Okay. Uh, I try, I, I mean, I do rehearse. I go over structure and go over the stories in my head. Like, like right now I'm, I'm focusing on making sure all the stories are in the present tense. Okay. Just because it's a lot more inviting. And, um, but the only time I could actually run and do a whole section or the whole show is when I have an audience. Uh, last year I had the pleasure of uh, having the show programmed in Uno Fest in Victoria, BC, uh, which is a great festival. They treat their artists like rock stars and if anyone has a one-person show i totally recommend you guys apply to be in that festival because it's awesome walter let's do it um Done. Yeah, yeah let's do it we're and, gonna have uh, a one-person show i'm together. actually applying now <laughs> no, it's only gonna be one of us on any given night but it's gonna be both of us um, <laughs> i got to do a run of it there so that that was kind of the recent um i guess that's almost already a year ago but the recent when I really dove back into the show. Uh, I learned a lot from doing that run. I learned a lot from doing the show in uh, full houses, but people I don't know. And how can I still be, uh, you know, sometimes you're in the audience and it's your friend that's up there. So there's a certain understanding where, or kind of inside joke, like running gag that goes on with the performance style. Or um, in this case, it was really like, okay, it's just, it's just me and my stories and I'm going to share them. And was that it was like really the first time you, uh, you had like experienced that? Was that like where there's no familiar faces in the audience? Was that like a new thing? Um, yeah, I think that was kind of the first time, uh, for the last two years I've been touring the fringe circuit, uh, okay. quite intensely. Uh, so, but doing contemporary dance with my dance company for body and light, mm-hmm. which is a collaboration with Ian Ferry. So that's been, that's been great. Um, but different because the the level of connection is so different. It's it's much more physical and meditative and 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 abstract. And this the storytelling is very literal, straight to the point. And I'm 
actually connecting with individuals as I'm talking to them as a real person. Um, so those experiences have been quite different. So the UNOFest audience was really great. Um, the lineup, you know, was filled with people who do quite impressive, like, watch me do 60 characters in one, <laughs> in one hour type of deal. And I'm just here playing like sweet old innocent me. Oh, right. So I was playing a game of dodgeball and my eye fell out, you know, kind of deal. <laughs> so it was, it, I was so nervous. And now if I'm to kind of explain how I'm feeling now with this show at TSC coming up, um, since it's mainly a comedy bar, mm-hmm. Now, like, my focus has shifted to being like, oh, right, so I got to be funny. Like, I got to right, be. Too. Like, so, so oh, it's funny how I wouldn't worry too much about being pressure. funny. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't have to, but I think I want to be funny because a funny show is is fun. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so you're, like, going through the stories and, like, finding the humor in stories that you might not have told, like, comedically before? Yeah, a mix of that and also allowing myself to lean into the moments where there is a laugh. And I, I've uh, been surrounded and, and uh, by a lot of clowns recently, okay. people who practice clown um, as a performance style and and as an everyday life thing. And I feel like that presence has, has definitely opened my eyes to wanting my eyes, opened my eye to wanting to hey, oh. connect uh, to connect in the moment present and feed off of what's actually happening right now. And in storytelling, that's so important because we can get so caught up on like what my story is that I'm sharing, but that's only half of the game. And, and so that's, I've been reflecting a lot on that and how I can bring that in. And um, yeah, that's a pretty exciting space to be performing at the Theatre St. Catherine. I'm excited for it. I can imagine, and also just correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, judging from your uh, from the press release, the the goal is, I guess, this is you're going to be, I suppose, st- not a kickoff because it's March, but I guess the idea is you're going to work on this here. It's going to hopefully go over great here, and then you're going to be doing this all over the place this summer at Fringe, right? Yes, okay. yes, I have a whole uh, summer tour lined up. This is the first year I'm not touring with For Body and Light. Okay. Um, and I think I, it will be some well-needed space from that project and obviously not stopping it. And we have other things that we're booking right. and planning to we're, – we're actually in the process of creating a new show right now. But um, it's going to allow me to hmm, to just bring it back to me, I think. <laughs> uh, the, last, the last two years have been really eye-opening – also very challenging, a lot of work of just pretty much tour managing and doing all the administrative work and right. and um, media outreach and and then doing the show and it was it was really uh, it's kind of burnt out <laughs> and I feel like there's personal work that I can do with how I'm feeling right now and this show is the perfect place to do that. So is this going to be the first time you're like traveling around more or less by yourself? I mean obviously there's like the people that kind of travel around on the fringe circuit so you're never going to be like all the way alone. You'll have fringe family. Yeah, but... no, I don't feel like the tour. I don't think I'm going to be very lonely on the yeah. tour. Um, I have I have another show that I'm also uh, developing right now that I'll be touring to four of the cities on okay. the circuit. Uh, with my partner Alistair Knowles, who is one of the clowns I was mentioning. <laughs> um, so, so we we are uh, 
him and a bunch of us, we're going to be tra- touring the country together. So we're very well surrounded. And I think the fringe is definitely, um, as it goes on, I mean, I, I came at the fringe from a different perspective, starting okay. as an administrator. Um, and I had nothing, like, I didn't know anything about the fringe. And slowly I discovered like, holy shit, this is a great opportunity to try stuff out and to, to gain audience all yeah. around. I, w- I was going to ask how, what, what your, your, your path is to, I guess, where you are now. Cause I mean, like just kind of going through it, we, we know that you're, <laughs> we know your dad's truck at rich as a diamond prospector, diamond prospector. which still sounds like oh, a made up thing. <laughs> <laughs> but and then I guess you're you're going through school I guess with the 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 experience of being different especially in the eyes of of kids and then flash forward and you're doing uh, one woman shows touring all over the country I mean I feel like there's some sort of a, a transition there that yeah, happened there. like were, were you always I mean you mentioned contemporary dance were you always interested in becoming a performer I guess possibly through dance like what kind of what was your path to be becoming a performer, either in a, in a dance scenario or, and then I guess more specifically, into a one woman show where you're telling jokes and storytelling? Yeah, the the so after, I think in grade six, I remember um, having this group come to our school when I was in grade six and did a improv workshop. Um, and I think that moment was like, oh, I'm interested in performing. Okay. Or like, I'm interested in this. Uh, around that time, I was also put into dance classes, uh, mainly like a rec- recreational level dance okay. class, kind of after school stuff. It's like that fun, like, um, yeah, like, was it like jazz time? Yeah. Like, and, n- nothing, nothing mainly, super intense, just like kids dancing. Yeah. Yeah. It but jazz it became time, very it? quickly intense because I. <laughs> ended up scheduling myself eight different classes in the week. So I was fully booked from morning to dawn uh, with, with classes and school and all of that. Uh, and the main reason I started dance was to really regain awareness of my left side because I was very clumsy, um, not very well coordinated, just stuff like that, <laughs> all of those. So just trying to get some basic skill sets to survive in the world. Right. And then I, I fell in love with it and loved getting sweaty and I loved moving and I loved sharing a dance floor with people and challenging myself to learn new skills. And so from there, I, I just went into high school and, and heard about this audition called, uh, it was for a French musical theater company. So I auditioned for it. I get in right in grade nine. I start so from grade nine to grade 12 mm-hmm. uh, in Ontario, grade nine to grade 12, I So you were presumably already like, you were good, what? obviously. Like I'm assuming like to have gotten, like applied to a program for dance and got in right away, you had already in like the span of three years at least developed some kind of like, you had like yeah, a, a, I a natural talent, I, think... I suppose. Like I don't think you could just get into the program if, so you were... I think I really, I just really wanted it. And I really enjoyed it. And right. I was willing to learn and do whatever it took to be a part of the group. Okay. I think that was a big, and definitely, you know, they were interested in whatever it is I presented at, as the audition. Right. But, um, so they took me under their wing. I did grade nine to grade 12. All of my high school was done correspondence. So I didn't really have a real, um, real high school experience. I did it on the road kind of 
I'd get like chapters and then mail them to the to the board to the school board. Um, Again, superhero. So <laughs> we were doing 150 shows in the school season, so I did that for four years. Jesus, and it was it was pretty intense. It that's, was a really that's a lot. <laughs> I was gonna say like that's a show that's every and like you're just every and you're days. still in high and you're just still doing high th- school and it's throughout the school year, right? So presumably that wasn't over the summer. So that's yeah. like 150 well, dates what? over 10 months, more or less. What were these performances and, that you were doing? Uh, we would write the musical. Well, when I first got in, the two first years I was a dancer. The two last years I was uh, writing, participating, and directing, and also. Um, performing so acting and singing and dancing uh they were written by us so they were whatever we wanted them to be okay um very cheesy and cute and high school you know so just 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 uh, i mean like i did the science fair one year and i thought it was too much work yeah i uh (laughs) i i was in the drama club at my own school performing a play (laughs) before he got kicked out (laughs) for like a weekend exactly and then I, i just Made myself nosebleed on stage. <laughs> that was it. Oh my god, nosebleed, classic. Exactly. Uh, I can't do accents. Blood, <laughs> blood. No, but okay. So hang on. So were you performing? Okay, so were, yeah. were you performing for other high school kids? Uh, other high school kids. Yes. Okay. So, we would so tour to all of the French Canadian schools in the country. Okay. Wow. Uh, not all of them, but the ones who could Everyone. afford it. Everyone. So, so I'm just um, so. so, so Try to try to. I'm just. I want you to sell us on one of your high school shows. So like Walter and I are in, and and Stephen are grade ten. We're French high school students, and our teacher is going to hype us up for one of your shows. And I guess you're going to be. Oh the my teacher. gosh. Okay. So <laughs> don't, don't run with go, scissors. So musical. there'll be. So there's twelve people on stage. Right. Full live band. Okay. Somebody on the drums. We have a, a cello player. Oh my god. Um, a bass player, guitar player, <laughs> piano player. And these people also rotate during during the performance and take on roles. Wow. Um, this show for this particular year is called L'Obscurité Physique. So, uh, obscure physicality, if I'm going to translate <laughs> right? it. And um, it is about a punk, hardcore guy who doesn't give a shit about nothing, mm-hmm. falls in love with a cute little preppy classic girl. So, it's kind of like classic love story. Mm-hmm. Um Please tell me you're the, the punk hardcore guy. There's a girl who is on the side, and uh, this girl's me, <laughs> who is also a punk. She's in love with the other punk, but the other punk is in love with the prep. So this other girl who's me uh, is suicidal and tries to commit suicide. Jesus. Um, and then it's how both groups come together to help each other out. Um, and within that, there's you know song breaks and, and dance. And, is there and, some di- like dialogue, um, or is it all song and dance? Uh, dialogue as well, okay. and there's uh, uh, crazy lighting. We so have like crazy all these lights that we pack up. We set it up ourselves before the show. We do all our own. We have wow. like it's it, and it all fits in our tour bus. So, so we had a bus. Unload, what on stage? So what I'm asking, road touring crew, on behalf of wow. grade ten, Walter, Stephen, and Keith, uh, assuming this takes place in the afternoon, do we get stoned at lunch? Do we get stoned to appreciate the lights and dancing? I mean, high school Stephen, yes. I mean, like we probably are anyway. But I feel that the the show you're describing with like the punk thing and the lights and the dancing, like I kind of want to be high to enjoy this. Would you recommend (laughs) it? Um. Yeah. Probably. At the time, we had we had a kind of a (laughs) we were on a tight 
leash, I would say, in yeah. this company. Um, but we, we weren't, weren't we're allowed the students. to. We weren't allowed <laughs> to participate in like any sports. So uh, if I wasn't when I was in town, why? Like I couldn't play soccer. Why? Um, you can't. You can't really, really get hurt. Can't get hurt, man. And That's there's the no thing. like drug and alcohol use within that they the, know of. The, did they? So did they? We would. <laughs> did they test you? So we would do that. They wanted to check us, but... <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, was it... I was like, it all sounds very intense. And I was just sort of like, is there like a urine test to this dance crew? Because that's no, very scary. No, 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 yeah. I'm also wondering no, if you no guys were unionized. Test. Like, there is... Were you getting credits? Say, yeah, were you getting credits for this? Because it just seems like a lot of work. <laughs> you guys were your own stage uh, crew. You're acting, you're dancing, you're writing these things. There's setting so up much the work light. going into this. You're, you're working the merch stands. <laughs> I no. got I got um, a lot of uh, a lot of credit. Yeah, a lot of credit. I hope the hell so. A lot of uh, prerequisites to continue on to university afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't decide to go to university. I actually Google searched. I want a dance school that doesn't cost very much money, and I want to train <laughs> intensely for two years. Mm-hmm. What do you got for me, Google? And they gave me uh, Cégep de Drummondville. Oh, so, nice. So uh, I moved to Drummondville for two years. Went to Cégep even though the education system in Ontario didn't, like, I didn't have to go to CIGEP. I went there because it was kind of like eight to eight training and in modern jazz, ballet, and all these things. And I was really just digging it, being, just learning and getting better and doing all that. Worked harder at dance. We worked hard. Yeah, we worked totally. at anything. No, anything in yeah. <laughs> She's putting us to shame in literally every single fashion. I mean, I, I've worked at hard. I've worked hard at accruing a lot of uh, anecdotal professional wrestling. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you can't really underestimate that amount of work. Exactly. I, I'm very good at a lot of video games. Yeah, but nothing. Now, Steph, <laughs> nothing was, nearly was during, as intense and cool as this. Steph, this is Walter talking now. Um, was, was it? Was it, was it during your Drummondville years that you started pronouncing your name like that, or? <laughs> no. <laughs> Did you always know how your name was supposed to be pronounced? Yes, totally. Okay, because totally. you grew up in Franco, Ontario, right? I still don't believe there are French-speaking people in 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 uh, in Canada, and not only in Quebec. There's where? What are people from Winnipeg called? Uh, they hosers, <laughs> hosers. No, but there's there's a there's a. Oh. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. As tell, do you tell me I'm wrong? I think there's there's <laughs> there's there's the Métis, which is like closely commu- uh, associated that's with the French native yeah, and yeah, French yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. And French yeah. thing. That's that's yeah. in Manitoba. And Fra- uh, Steph, do you know what the what the Franco Manitoba? I think it's Franco Manitoban. Uh, right. Manitoba. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Franco-Manitoba. I've met, I've met uh, my my friend Paulette is a Franco Manitoban, and and it's mm. the the French is it's very clearly French. It's not as yeah. different as like Acadian or anything, but it's still no. very different when they when she can speak Quebecois, but then when she like gets a call, phone call from her mom, it's suddenly like a very different French coming out of her mouth, and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> it's Franco Manitoban. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, exactly. Like it's still like you it's. Listening to it, you can still make out what they're saying, but it just becomes a whole, a whole hilarious thing to me. <clears throat> well, I love can... it. I love. I think it's really beautiful all these different dialects and accents that we have of French and English across the country. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, yeah. I love, mildly, I'm, yeah. I'm totally like French represent. I, it was really difficult being raised as a francophone in in Ontario, and we Full really had to francophone, stick then. together, stick yes. together to not be. Yes, to Walter. not be assimilated and to, to come out still speaking French because I go back home and none of my friends, or rare, rarely, some of them do, but 
there's a very small amount that could actually have um, that could actually have a conversation with me in French, or that we, you know, we just talk in English because that's that's easier and that's when what you, we're surrounded by. When, when you grew up, though, were you were you speaking French at home or? Uh, yes, I mean both of my parents are bilingual, so okay. it was a mix of both. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, so it's been pretty present. This show, actually, uh, to bring it back to Blindside, uh, will be in the future will be presented in French as well, but not this time. Well, not you, this time around. You should do for. I mean, I'm just going to tell you what to do now, since you're way do better, it, way better at everything than I am. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I was just going to say, in a Montreal scene, you could probably even get away with bilingual if you wanted to like switch in and out. Like it wouldn't, it yeah, wouldn't play yeah, that totally. way everywhere. But in Montreal, you could probably do that. If that, I think that'd be super cool. CSC especially. Well, actually, yeah. you can you can do that in Montreal and also in most places in Canada. Um, I'm sure you can do that in Ottawa. There, there are a lot of places where people, if they don't speak French, they understand it. Right. Yeah. I think there's a lot of. I find Ottawa is the best for that for people who like no French but like I, I feel like they just know it because it's the nation's capital and they're like we need to know the other official language of the country like so many people in Ottawa yeah. know French but don't like speak it conversationally on a day to day sure. basis it's really weird and you're just like and I was like is this because yeah. you're trying to be the nation's capital and you're like I speak both official languages I live in Ottawa but uh, well it's, it's it's a sad reality um, I think I think we should be excited about knowing as many languages as we can. I agree. I think and there's that, something really rich about that. Yeah, I'm always super impressed. My uh, my girlfriend speaks four languages. She does uh, like French, English, Spanish, and Italian. And being traveling in Europe with her is like the best because <laughs> you're just sort of like you're like everywhere we go, you can find someone with one of those four languages. You know, like worst case scenario, yeah, you're like, yeah. someone speaks Spanish and nothing else, or like Italian and nothing else. But it was just yay. But yeah, it was. Uh, she's my, my my translator when we go to Europe. Those are all the cool countries too. It's exactly. not like German where it's like, oh yeah, Germany, great. You know, exactly. It's, like, it's all chow, and you're riding a motorcycle. Yeah, exactly. It's nothing but sunsets. It's yeah. just twenty four seven sunsets. <laughs> that's that's Spain and Italy, basically in a nutshell. Uh, yeah, no, none of this German nonsense. I used to speak. I when I was growing up, I, I spoke German like into uh, until I was in kindergarten. And then uh, I had a really, 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 really hard time picking up French. Mm -hmm. Like, I just was not clicking. Like, I guess my brain is not, like, language smart. So, <laughs> my brain's not good. So, <laughs> my parents, uh, <laughs> like, my, my Oma and my babysitter and everybody spoke to me German when I was, like, up until the age of, like, four and a half. Mm. And I would speak German and English. And then when I was just not getting French whatsoever, my parents really s completely cut off the German started speaking to me in French a lot, put me in grade one into French school, even mm -hmm. like not French immersion, like put me into French school just so I could get it. And I like, I struggled with French, like pretty much all through high school. And only when I really needed to like learn it to work is when I like got yeah. kind of decent at French. Like, I don't know why my brain is just not the uh, very linguistically. Yeah. Lifted. I, you know, I could, re I could relate to that. And I almost, uh, there are a few studies that say that, being raised bilingually, it does activate certain parts of your brain mm -hmm. in a positive way. But language-wise, it's actually quite confusing because you start identifying both languages as one. Yeah. And it's like yeah. where it's difficult to... Um, to have a full understanding of right. either of the languages. Well, and I think that's the other uh, thing, too, yeah. yeah, is that the, the two languages that I were learning, like English and German, 
had nothing to do with French. So my brain was probably just sort of like, this is dumb. Like when French came in and had rules that were like, like when you, yeah, exactly. When you have like English kind of, yeah, exactly. Buddies. German and English are are, are a little bit similar. And that's why I think people who learn French can go, go Spanish and go Italian, like with a little bit more ease because they're similar, but like German is just like a whole other thing and is more similar to English than anything. And I had no groundwork for French and I just, I was really bad at it for a really long time. So hmm. you're speaking French at home, <laughs> and then you're putting on these shows in French schools. So you're dancing. Uh, I, I assume yeah. you, you loved it enough that you were like, "I want to dance more." I'm going to school in Drummondville now to dance more. Yeah. Well, at first I what was more interested this? in drama. What, I was what? more interested in drama. I think this is 2004, okay. 2005. I, I'm around. I moved to Drummondville. I do the two-year program. Uh, I apply and audition for the contemporary dance program in uh, Concordia in Montreal at Concordia University. And then I get in and go from there and do the three-year program. And it was awesome because the program is self-driven. And I was so used to, like, being really hardcore and doing everything I did intensely that it wasn't this huge shock for me. Um, because I didn't know how to not do something completely full-time day and night. So that was that was uh, great, and it was a wonderful experience. I got to discover Montreal. I got to meet all of you wonderful people. Was, your, was that your first and time then, in Montreal then, I guess? Or, I mean, other than maybe uh, visiting? I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the first time. I At first, I didn't really like it. I'm more of a small-town girl. Uh, I found it a little intense, but then I was like, oh, wait. Uh, I'm in the performing arts, and this is awesome. There's right. all these workshops I could take and all these classes and shows I could see, so I found it quite inspiring. And over the course of the three years, I really fell head over heels for Montreal and, and decided to stay, and I was there for a total of seven years. Um, and it, bu- 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 I applied to work as artist liaison for the Montreal Fringe Festival. Okay. I didn't know what the fringe was. I had never even heard the word. Well, so I mean, in other point, context, but sorry, I, I I missed what was your class? That what class did you take at Concordia? It was contemporary theater. Uh, contemporary dance contemporary and choreography. Dance. Okay, so, so it's so like a comp- composition. Got it. So so at this point, you're still primarily a dancer. Like I mean, you said that you were interested in drama and interested in the performance, but mostly like all of your I guess. But the the yeah the musical theater made me want to go in the completely opposite direction, which was contemporary dance. Okay. For me. So, yeah, but, yeah. It, but at this point, you're still like a trained dancer. You're not a storyteller or anything yet. I mean, I guess like maybe you are like to your friends, but your education at this point has been dance, right? Or did I miss something? Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> All right, so so you're dancing, and now you're like, I'm going to be an artist liaison at Fringe. Yes, Got so it. I discover very quickly what the Fringe is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kind of dive into that head first. Um, uh, so it was it was great because the, the team, at the time it was still Jeremy Heckman. My first year, Jeremy was director. And then my second year, Amy uh, took over. Uh, so I got to be there for that transition, which was, was really a really exciting one. And, and I was happy to be a part of that. So for five years, I guess, uh, I started in, I don't know, time, hard to calculate time, but <laughs> let's say around five years, right. I worked on the production team of the Montreal Fringe Festival, cool. and I loved it very much. It became a bit of a love-hate relationship. As, um, as it is. 
mainly mainly because of I think my desire to perform and not be at a computer. Um, it's the old the Isle of France that's, story. That's what I could say. The Isle of France. Yeah. <laughs> desire to perform and not be in front of a computer. The Isle of France saga. Pretty much. Story. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. Like, there you go. It's it's hard because um, you yeah you kind of have you're you're kind of stuck there with your job to do if you're a tech or if you're you know anybody in admin and you're just like okay I just have to work so hard at this and there's all these people creating really cool art and you're sort of like ah and you're like lights up yeah yeah lights <laughs> but up I do or, you know. I do have to mention I do have to mention the the support that I had while I was working there to mm -hmm. continue to perform mm -hmm. was really present like I got to do last year I got to do the secret show during the fringe um i got to take a year off to do my own show in the montreal fringe and then they welcomed me with arms wide open when i came back the following year um you know i get to host things like the auction and it like so through that i definitely got a lot of performing performing opportunities but they weren't necessarily uh what i wanted to be doing or I want to be doing more of it. So right. now I'm doing more of it. <laughs> it's really great. And did, and then, I actually auctioned off one of my glass eyes for one of the uh, fringe fundraisers. Did you really? Yep. What did it go yeah, for? Yeah. What does that go uh, for? Well, I auctioned, I auctioned off two of them. Oh, crazy. One year it went for, I want to say around $300. Whoa. I can't remember. But it was Sherwin who got it. Who? Um, Sherwin, Sherwin, Sherwin Tia. Sherwin Sullivan Tia. He runs like the queer slow dance and the uh, ah yes yeah strips and he um so he got the eye and like a week later I see him and I'm like so how's the eye doing? <laughs> He's like oh it's so fucked up. I I look at it at home and it's like I'm looking at you and I thought that was really sweet. And then so true um, or false, <laughs> you can see through all of your glass eyes. That's her superpower. It's that's your I superpower. I can actually see what he's doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I give no, away no, these no, glass no. eyes, he and actually... then you, you let me into your home, and I can see everything. Oh man, that would be that's like that's like the sequel to my solo show, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so he ended up a few weeks later giving his eye to somebody that he had a crush on Aww. and he used it to get laid he told me so i'm i'm pretty proud of that i'm getting people laid <laughs> walter's making a very <laughs> weird face walter's making a what the fuck face <laughs> like, now did the person that he was trying to get like some sexy time action with did they also need an eye of the exact same shape that your eye happened to be <laughs> that would be really great, but I highly doubt it. Did he? Did he? The answer is more that Sherwin dates very interesting people. I understand. And, uh, did he? Did he? Did he set yeah. it up kind of with a like a, a pun to be like, "You're the apple of my eye." Uh, <laughs> you would do I, that I really hope so. You would actually do I that. Because so. <laughs> I can see that working on a lot of people. <laughs> By a lot of yeah, people, I, I mean really a very specific so. set of people. But those people sound like they're a lot of fun. <laughs> Anyone yeah. who would be into a hilarious pun-driven delivery of a glass eye sounds like a person that you want to be with. Steph, here's a question I don't think yeah. I've ever asked. Are the eyes always the same color? Uh, no, they shift. They definitely – when I was younger, um, I, I was diagnosed with retinoblastoma at the age of two. And then they removed the eye right away. And okay. then I – had a glass eye about a month later after the healing was done. Um, and my first glass eye is actually quite blue. Uh, and it shifted a lot because now my eyes are very green. Uh, so my, as I grew older, my, not only did the eye change shapes because they, they're custom made to fit my mm -hmm. eye socket, 
Um, it also shifts in colors and it varies subtly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you were to look at my first one and the one I have now, it's a pretty big change. You probably wouldn't even recognize the the person. Have you ever person, gone the eye? What, like, have you ever gone like fully like done anything crazy with the eye? Like, I I personally, I mean, obviously, I I think I would have a set that matched my natural eye, like as good as yeah. it could. But then I'd also be like, I want a smiley face, or I want something that's pure black, and like I would, yeah, um, like one with and like people the people do the... do that. Mm-hmm. I think my. My ultimate dream eye is a cat eye, because if nice. you've seen the trial workshop version of my show, I talk about cats. Oh. And um, I I remember the cat part of your show. There was a there was yeah, a big so section I, of that show I, about I, cats. I remember that. I remember that show very a... well. Now that we're talking about it, <laughs> which and I just want to say this, Steph. I drink a lot and 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 um, you know have been known to do recreational drugs. And that being said, I remember your show very well. I was say, for Walter to recall like, anything from, is yeah. a glowing recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> just the fact that I remember. Oh, great. Your... Oh, great. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> I don't remember the, the night fight we did after that show very well, except for the fact that <laughs> I was in my drink. But I, I remember your show very well. I remember there was the, now that you're talking about the cat stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, the cat stuff. But you've never, you've never done uh, a crazy eye? Head bops, right? Head bops? Head bops. Yep. What do you mean, head bops? With the cat? Oh yes, head you fondly yes. remember it was bopping a cat. Totally, totally. Um, the the so I want a cat eye. I would love to get a cat eye made. These these things, these prosthetic eyes, cost about two grand mm. each. Um, you could probably get a cheaper one made, but when you put a, something in yeah. your eye socket, you usually want it to be pretty legit it's, and. It feels right. like a thing you don't want to like <laughs> cheap out on to be like I got this thing and shove it totally. in my eyes socket. I'd be like I want this to come with a certain like surgical grade have, of. It's like buying like it's like buying a like a dildo from a thrift shop. You know <laughs> you don't <laughs> you don't you don't like yeah you you don't be cheap. You, I you went to the dollar store and that. they had these great dildos. <laughs> I don't know if the Salvation Army would sell dildos if they could. If they're properly cleaned, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the cat eye, the cat eye is my dream eye. Um, I have, I've had completely white uh, prosthetic eyes, so it's just all white. Oh, that's super So it looks like it's cool. an eye, but there's nothing on it. Why, and why I, would you get that, I got that, to rock though? that one out. I got to rock that one out for Halloween and stuff for a few years when I was in... Why would you do it? Because age, it's but... amazing, Walter. Yeah. The reason you would do it is because it's amazing. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> and then, yeah, and yeah. Did you not? Did you not work for JFL for a while? Yeah, I did that for two years. That was great. I was on the PR team. Um, yeah, because I know you. You, you like we, we we worked together a little bit on that yeah. stuff. I remember you 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 emailed yeah. me like because I'm. The, the podcast is very low on the list of like media <laughs> lists. You would email me like uh, like as little as like half an hour before a show, being like, "There are tickets to Moshe Cash, or can you go?" And I'm like, "I'm downtown, yes, I can." And then I would go. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I was like, I got to take care of my friends. You know, I'm like these people are gonna love to see the show. And then there's these jerk like big shots that are. Um, well, actually, Walter Walter was kind of at the top of our list too. No, I was <laughs> you know not. That, I absolutely was not working 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 for the suburban newspaper. Please don't tell me that I was at the Montreal's top of the largest list. Ang- Anglo Weekly, dude. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, no, seriously, Walter, we we were definitely prioritizing you for a few things. That, may, um, that makes me but feel. That makes anyway, me feel all that inside. that said, that said, it's always nice to know that there are people who are actually interested in going to see the shows. Mm-hmm. So when the jerks cancel and they're like, "I'm too busy," or "I I just don't show up," or "I forget," or yeah. "I'm gonna," you know, whatever. I was basically only um, ever in it for the show. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I, I really appreciate it, though, because, like, especially, I mean, I was usually around anyway, even if I couldn't get into any shows, and then I'd get these, like, email alerts from Steph being, like, uh, there's some tickets left oh, at the yeah. door, go for it. I'm like, yes! Steph, give us your best, give us your best, like, and, and you know, obviously, make sure it's a story you can tell, but give us your best crazy JFL uh, working for the PR team story. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Give us I a crazy one. I don't know if one. I'm allowed. Well, I don't give know it, if I'm omit names. <laughs> omit, wow. omit names. We'll, we'll we'll redact any names that are like sensitive. Dave Cup, Chappelle. Cup well, I could give just like a um. Oh Jesus, that is hard. I I rarely leave my office. We set up at the Hyatt. Yep. Which is great. Um, but I rarely really got to leave, so I was really like always glued to the computer and trying to process tickets and trying to coordinate mm-hmm. who's where and what media is where and all of that jazz. Um, but I think the best part is when it's the open bar party at the Hyatt. Yeah. Ice That's ice. where like the party comes to me and I'm so happy <laughs> and right. everything. Even like the expensive expensive like scotch and stuff is, is just like accessible and there and you get to have whatever you want. So that's really great. And the whole PR team Pretty much just crashes in the media room. I was gonna, I was yeah. gonna say, I was gonna say were, I've seen it happen. Were you, <laughs> were you there that year where, where you guys were trying to do work and we were at the window? I don't know if you were there that year or not. I remember like Talar and Danny were there because they were really trying to get stuff set up and we were really trying to stop them from doing it through the window. <laughs> Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like I definitely recall that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really, honestly, even though Just for Laughs could be, um, kind of seem like this huge company and, and they have a way of running things that is really quite uh, corporate, I right. guess would be the word. Uh, the PR team is a different story and we're really this like tightly knit family um, Jamie Omer puts it together mm-hmm. and he does a fantastic job at just He's been doing making a great job. every, yeah. like empowering everybody to feel like they can go above and beyond what their capabilities are. And, um, so yeah, I was really, really so thankful to have had that opportunity for two years. And then I actually gave it up. You know what I gave it up for? <laughs> what? Tell touring, I traveling, traveling. traveling. More glass I did. Eyes. I gave it up to tour the fringe. Oh, gave it up to that's tour worth it. That's, that's worth it, though. Totally like that, that, that's again. It's By like the, way, it's we, the we, Alfred story. We absolutely story. need Jamie O'Mara on the podcast. I was actually Jamie. thinking about that. I'm like, how are we're we going to send this? We're going to send this specific podcast over. to We've Jamie. had Amy on twice. We got to have. We got to have Jamie on. Yeah, you should have them on together. I think that oh, Jamie, Jamie and Amy, great. Jamie yeah. and Amy together. It'll be like I was going to say like the Muppets Christmas Carol when there's the the two. The Marley and Marley. Mm, they have the Jamie worst. Jamie and Amy. <laughs> Jamie... That, that was an accessible reference, I think. I think so, too. I was going to say they have, the, <laughs> they have the worst celebrity amalgamation name because it's just Jamie. It's just Jamie. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, they're, a great little, they're a great duo. They're a great Amy duo. Jamie. And Amy, Jamie. But they, they would have a good last name, though, because it, could be, it could be like, oh, Blackmore. Oh, Blackmore. Like, oh, Blackmore. Black Mara. Black, like, I like Black Mara. Black Mara sounds really Amy good. Amy Black Mara. Amy <laughs> Black Mara. All right. <laughs> Uh, uh, we're at, we're at, exactly. <laughs> Super off the rails. I was gonna say. 
We are uh, 50 minutes into the podcast. We're going to do a segment that we do on every episode called Five Questions, where we ask the okay. same guest, every guest, the same three questions. Then we're going to ask you a question from our last guest, and then you're going to ask a question into the future to our future guest, and then we're going to hit your show and your dates. Sound okay, good? great. Let's All do right. it. So we just reset these questions on episode 100. This yep. is episode 102. Oh, 102 Dalmatians. So the first question is, who will play you in the movie of your life? Oh my god! <laughs> or who would you want to have play you? I guess I, I don't. I I mean, yeah, I assume you can't see into the future, so you can't say who's definitely going to be playing you. But who do you, do you have like a name in mind for someone who would play you? In the bio. Oh my god, this is hard. I. Um, what was the first well, name that popped into your head? Like, did you have like an inkling, even if it was crazy? And I'm like Robin Williams. Little, like, I'm a little like shy to say it because I'm worried that it's not the right fit. No, no, no. But the first no, 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 no. That came to mind was. Was Reese Witherspoon? That I was, was gonna mind. say Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> I was a hundred percent gonna say, not even a joke. I was gonna say Reese yeah, Witherspoon. Right. I swear to God. I was like, I'm like, and then I didn't say it because I'm like, oh, maybe it's gonna be insulting. But I was totally gonna say Reese Witherspoon. Why is that insulting? I don't know. Maybe because maybe she's like a little older or whatever. But like, I was told I I had Reese Witherspoon in mind. Oh great! Well, great. There we go. Reese Witherspoon. So you're a hundred percent right. Points. Points. Put it in. Point for me, yeah. All right. The second question is like even deeper. <laughs> what are you afraid of? What am I afraid of? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I'm afraid of... I think I'm afraid of a lack of control. A lack of control. I, I'm, I get that. Like, I, like to, I like to be on top of things that I'm involved in. And when I feel like I can't do that anymore, I find it scary. Usually, sometimes it's a good thing, but it's it's scary. I, I whether totally it's a relationship relate. or whatever, it's it's like, yeah, I, I, lack of I, control. No, I, I I I get that. And so I, I, to reiterate, you're you're afraid of being on the bottom. <laughs> to re to what? I didn't hear that. I didn't oh, hear that. That's probably better. Better. It's fine. <laughs> I was going to say that I can totally relate. Like, uh, I'm I'm getting married in about two months, and the thing that's causing me the most anxiety is like I am at legit worried about my bachelor party because I have no say in it whatsoever. And like usually, <laughs> usually I like when it comes to like every bachelor party that my buddies have had, I've like helped organize. Either I've been the best man, or I've been like helping the best man. And just in general, most parties, I, like, put a bit of input in if I'm involved. And this is, like, a thing that my yeah. friends are doing that I don't know anything about. And Keith, like, just bring a deep fryer. It'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, but, but, like, that's it. Like, people are like, oh, like, uh, aren't you excited? It's like, scary. it's going to be a surprise. And I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm – It's scary. It's scary. I was like, I, not knowing what is going on and not knowing what the plan is is, like, more terrifying than, like, fun. I think – the re- and I actually ta- had a conversation about this with a buddy of mine the other day. I think it's because I grew up. Uh, raised as a Jehovah's Witness, and I never had birthday parties, so I was like, oh, I was God. never, I was never raised to like have good surprises. So like throughout my entire childhood, surprises were usually shitty, because <laughs> it's like, oh no, a kid who has a birthday party is like surprise birthday party, and you're like, yay, and you get like accustomed to the good surprises. I never had that growing up. Not always. Sometimes your birthday party can kind of suck. Like it'll, it'll prize be a, a rough one where your like friend kicks you or something like that. <laughs> you do something wrong. Right. I think I think you're, you're looking at that through some rose colored glasses a little bit, Keith. But, but mostly they're I good. Like they're, they're not bad. They're not bad. Mostly they're they a can... bunch of friends and loved uh... ones celebrating you. Yes, yes. That's <laughs> like generally mostly. that's generally how a birthday party will go. A thing like, I never 
sometimes. every experience. I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> Just demand constant validation as a result. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, right. and that's a that's an interesting thing to bring up is the constant validation because mm. I I I've been uh, I dove in headfirst a few months ago mm-hmm. um, into a like an open relationship, having only practiced monogamy for so long, and mm. I'm not really a polyamorous person. Right. And I'm not used to it, mm-hmm. and yeah. I I'm curious, and I like the idea of it. But sure. um, so that's been like a you're like this a only really exists big... on paper until now, where it exists for real. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's and, hard and, to get used and experimenting to. with that is really terrifying, mm-hmm. and and requires constant <laughs> validation, and and yeah, so it's it's uh, so a loss of control. Mm-hmm. Next question, <laughs> Steph, please. Steph, next question, <laughs> Steph. I wouldn't go yeah. for it if I were you for you. What? I wouldn't go for it. No. Wouldn't go for it. No. Wouldn't, go, wouldn't go for the if open you, If you're not down, just don't do it. It's too late. She already said she's in it. I'm just you... saying. I mean, I mean, good don't, for you. You can't stop her good, now. Good for you for being on board. But, like, you know, uh, this is but Walter's it's, it's advice changing. here. It's like it, it, it doesn't mean that it's always open. Like right. Right now no, and I understand open. that. But, I mean, if, it, it's if, if, like if it's a thing that you're not at all down with, I mean, you know, why go for it? This is actually episode one of Walter and Keith give unsolicited relationship advice. Life advice. Life lessons with Walter and Keith. Wait, no, that's already a thing. Never mind. No, exactly. Just un- I think unsolicited relationship advice should be our new show. Because uh, like, we can call in and you can get unsolicited. Just call in to talk about something and then we'll just give you relationship advice. <laughs> Next question. Question three is, uh, if you were allowed somehow to get a tattoo when you were 13, what would it be of? Um. So, like, what did you think when when you were 13 years old? Like, what were you like, this is the coolest, and I will never change my mind about this. I'm 13, and I'm sure of this. Okay, well, I did that, and I have one. At 13? You had a tattoo at 13? Oh, no, maybe I wasn't 13. Maybe I was more like 14 or 15. Okay, that seems very young for a tattoo. (laughs) Um, Okay, maybe not. Uh, Okay, 13 years old. Wait, what year is that? I don't know. I don't um, know when you were thirteen. <laughs> you could. I mean, you could tell us what the tattoo is that you that you have from that time too. Wait, what grade? What grade are Gra- you? Thirteen in is grade seven. Grade seven. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Grade seven, because okay. like I find, because grade seven is a good time because it's like it's right when you're like, oh no, I'm an adult badass, but you're really not. You're still a little kid. <laughs> just... I would have probably did like a butterfly, um, <laughs> a butterfly with some maybe like a quote from. Uh, from an S Club Seven song, nice. You know? yeah. Like, like never had a dream come true. Tell I was going to say, ain't no you. party like an S Club party. That'd be a great. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> a butterfly, ain't no party like an S Club party. I won't. I will not regret this at all for the rest of my life. My, and my my first name is Stephanie, so it's perfect. It's my initial. Oh it's like, shit! Ste- oh man, oh, that Steph song was totally like my jam. Steph Club Seven. All right. Question the fourth is from indie wrestling sensation Speedball Mike Bailey. We had a wrestler on last time, Steph. Yep. As we often do. Actually, I went through our list of episodes, and we've had, out of the 100, we've had a lot. 11 like wrestling-specific episodes. That's a good chunk. So 10% yeah. of our entire content is pro wrestling, which I'm I have no really problem I'm really happy about that. Yeah, not, I know. Not <laughs> even counting the times that you've had Mike Patterson And that's on, not counting Mike yeah, P. That's not even counting Mike Patterson. Yeah, exactly, because Mike Patterson's usually all over the place and with a little bit of wrestling. Yeah. Uh, so this question from Indie Wrestler, who's also, I guess, touring touring a lot. Like He's a touring independent wrestler who's been down in Mexico, down in the States, all over the place. 
applying his performance craft, but that craft being wrestling. Uh, which animal do you identify with the most? Oh, God. Easy. Easy. It's a cat. Of course. We've already talked about the cat. Like a specific cat? I love cat? cats. A gato. A cat, uh, no, a you gato? know what? A house cat. I'm a, a house cat. No, gato. House cat? Nice. I gave the oh, same wait, answer no. last I'm episode, like, by the way. House I'm cat. Like an, I'm, I'm a house cat that's allowed outside uh, and sometimes doesn't come back for a few days. Oh, that's cool. My That's like... My childhood cat was a, a an indoor cat, like, but she was the most like prissy, shitty cat in the world. Like, I loved her to pieces and had her for twenty, twenty one years, but to the point where she would run outside, get to the grass, and then like freeze up because like the grass was touching her belly, and then she would just like meow oh. until someone went and got her. Like, forget winter. If she went, like, if she ran outside, like, she like. Had those instincts to be like, I want to be outside. But then when confronted with any sort of the reality of outside, she was like, I don't like this. Bring me back indoors where my every need is accounted for. Like snow, she would just like jump and then stop and then just start like, and then if it wasn't snowing, she could run along the concrete. But then as soon as she got to grass and like grass started like brushing against her underbelly, she froze up. Like she was just like oh. fuck this what world. This? What is this weird green <laughs> carpet? Yeah, exactly. I don't like this. Bring me back inside. <laughs> I'm a very prissy cat. My other cat, on the other hand, was a totally a, an outdoor cat. Disappear for days. Show up a few days later with like a dead bird on the stoop to be like, I did this for us. <laughs> Feed the family. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, it. that's like, me. Yeah. That's totally me. We had. Uh, um, we have a very rustic. I, I recently a very rustic. Go ahead. I was gonna say we have a very rustic country place that Walter's been up to. Uh, which is super rustic, super rustic. Like it's like four walls and a roof kind of thing. And it gets pretty hot up in the attic where you sleep in the summertime. And my mom once woke up screaming cause there was something cold and wet all over her legs. Cause the cat was like, here's the guts and blood of a mouse. Oh. Cause it's like, cause you, you weren't under the sheets cause it was like hot out. <laughs> And the, cat, uh. the cat was just like for you, and just oh, like no. she had just blood and mice guts all over her legs. And it was like two or three mice. The cat was like, I keep like kept adding to the pile as my mom was sleeping. I guess until the like amount of mice on her legs was enough to wake her up because the cat more was than like, one dead mouse. Yeah, it was Many. like two or three mice oh, that geez. the wow. cat had like murdered, brought to her. Like was like I guess she was asleep and was like. Oh, I guess she doesn't appreciate one. I'll go get more. <laughs> and just kept doing it and, like, got two or three mice all over my mom's legs, all over the sheets. This is the rest of the cottage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The that cottage best. already creeped me out enough as it was. It's man. the best. Like, Whereas the other cat, the prissy cat, once jumped on a mouse, had it pinned down, and then, like, looked at everyone in the room to be like, what the fuck do I do now? And then just let it go. <laughs> and oh, the, ma- the mouse just ran away. Because <laughs> I was like, this cat was so, like, dainty and crappy at being a cat. I loved her, but still, just like had the mouse pinned, lifted at its paws. She was like, a snuggle cat, not a hunting cat. Exactly. I think she's that's, like, yeah, she was just like, cat. I don't know what any of this is. Like, I have these instincts, but I don't know what they're for. <laughs> House cat is a great answer, <laughs> Steph, is the long story. So there's Steph. <laughs> <laughs> question the fifth. What question would you like to ask to our future guest? Our future guest. Um, we don't know okay. who it is. I don't know who it is Mm -mm. i would like to ask them if they could have a choice um oh oh, i know what you have to ask them (laughs) a classic fringe tour question that some of you may have already heard before you need to ask them if you want the vagina forehead or dick back can't do it can't do it 
You need a new Take question. Take back vagina forehead. We've done that question. We've done that question. John yeah. Bennett asked John that question Bennett's when he was a guest. What's the question? Would you rather have a vagina uh, forehead or a dick on your back? Take back vagina forehead, the classic fringe yeah. game. Yeah. That's a classic fringe game? It's question? a classic fringe game. Yeah. He's he's asked that too. I think probably most of most of the Western world by now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Including. Ah, oh, damn it, John. Uh, yeah, I know, John. Is it vagina okay. forehead, dick on your back? Dick back. You have a bunch of dicks all the way along your back. Like a bunch of dicks. A bunch of dicks. Or one vagina on your forehead. And then the, it, it gets more complex. Like, I've usually been pretty drunk when he's talked to me about this or asked me about this. But there's, like, more – you can kind of ask questions and find out. The implication out. being that you would at some point get fucked in the head. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, scratching your forehead, you could masturbate. And yeah. it would be, like, presumably because you had a vagina forehead, like, acceptable. Like, nobody could really get mad at you for just, just like, rubbing your forehead. <laughs> no, you're the bit. only one with it. You're the only one Yeah, with no, but nobody could no, get I mad. Feel like, I yeah, but feel nobody like... could still get mad at you. I know, right? no. I feel like if there's an apparent Okay, okay, I have a question. I have another question. I have another question. I have another question. You're going to tell me what to do with it's... my forehead? Yeah, well, it'll be <laughs> fucking gross. How about that, Keith? <laughs> Don't be gross and masturbate on your forehead. <laughs> yeah, fuck right. her. <laughs> see, okay, I think, okay, so what's the worst Thing you've done to somebody else to benefit yourself. Oh, Ooh, that's, really dark. that's dark. real dark. I like it. I like it. So, what's the worst thing you've done to somebody else so that you would benefit? Yeah. Wow. I want to say let somebody think I was their friend so I could use their N64. I really, really <laughs> thought you were going to be like, let somebody think. That I was their friend so that I could use their recording equipment to record 102 episodes of a podcast. Jeez. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, it's me. I feel like that's the other way around on that situation. Here. <laughs> oh, fuck y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you, just, like, you, you hung out with someone for the N64? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to know who this was now. <laughs> I don't know. It's Jay Goth back in RDP. <laughs> Steven. I I I, yours, I used to take out I used to take out my eye behind school uh, and collected money so I'd like charge them two dollars to take my eye out and you know what I bought with all that money I bought a Nintendo sixty four oh shit boom extra, the, if you guys had just lived if you had lived bucks. in RDP you would have been best friends with Walter yeah if only <laughs> <laughs> you Walter wouldn't have had wouldn't Walter wouldn't have had to hang out with that fucking jack off who had who liked to play in sixty four you would just have to hang out with some chick with a glass eye. When you said you would oh, let people take out your 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 eye, would you like would you let them actually take it out, or would you just take no, it out? No, I them? take it out. Oh, okay, because that'd be weird. Eye socket. They give me two bucks, and then I buy a Nintendo sixty four. It was great. How long did it take for you to accrue that much uh, that much savings for that? Uh, well, I mean, there's obviously an accumulation of like a year and a half for or something, sure. and a, a few babysitting gigs. <laughs> right. Um, but I pay, yeah, paid an extra forty bucks to get the orange see-through one. Nice, oh, nice. One I wanted. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a good, good year. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I believe it. Steven, same question. Oh man, okay. So uh, this was the first one that popped into my head. Um, I tripped a kid at soccer practice to uh, to get to the snacks faster, basically. <laughs> and, and it was a, it wasn't even like a like a half measure kick, like or trip. It was like I, I feel like I almost kind of kicked him. Like I, I I put my foot up like way too high, and I like he went down hard. 
and then I I got to the snacks before nice. I did, and it was just it was it, it just sticks out of my mind as like that was a really mean thing I did to another kid for just not really a good reason either, but it did benefit me. Oh I got, my god, got some of that apple juice. You're That's a monster. I, I am. I'm a monster. <laughs> I did. Um, I remember being like the dumbest kid at like age age one, grade one or grade two. I wrote my name on like you know like remember those things in elementary school where they were like big kind of like big poster boards that were in the hall and they always had like displays up like of like class work and stuff like it was like a big bulletin board but of like class stuff in elementary schools they all had them I wrote my name on one which is like immediate like first of all I was oh it was grade one because I was in a French school so there's only one Keith so it's like it's quite clear who did the crime (laughs) was was obviously Keith but then I was like I so committed myself to the fact that another kid hated me so wrote my name to get me into trouble that I got off completely and that kid got detention. Oh, man. Like, what? I, I just committed myself to the bit of like, no, I did not do this. It was this kid. He hates me. Here's the other things that he's done to me. And other people could back up those other things enough to the point where it like lined up in the teacher's and administration's eyes that you were like, yeah, it was probably this other kid. And I was like, Fuck you, kid. <laughs> but you totally set him up. 100%, but oh it wasn't like a God. setup. I was just doing the graffiti and then got immediately caught for it because I wrote my own name on the thing that I was graffitiing. What were you graffitiing on? I told you, like a bulletin board type. I was type... listening. Just fuck you. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> on a bulletin board type deal, I wrote my name, Walter, for recap from a minute ago. Right. And then immediately got in trouble for it because a French school, only kid named Keith. Got it. And then I was like, no, it was this other kid. He hates me because of, like, X, Y, Z and, like, had enough. Good like, job. And got him, he got, like, full detention for me writing my own name on it. Nice. And it was, uh, yeah, I was like. <laughs> You're really liking this, eh? Well, that's a good story. <laughs> and, I, and especially, and, I, and, I, and when I think back to it, I was like, that's really devious. For, like, grade one, that's, what, six or seven years old? Like, I was like, holy shit, what the fuck was wrong with me? All right, let's wrap oh, her up. Man. Anyway, it worked out. Okay, so uh, your first show is March 17th. True or false? Yes. True. Yes, right March 17th. St. Patrick's Day. Get drunk. <laughs> Theater St. Catherine. How many shows will you be doing? Theater St. Catherine. Doing four shows, the 17th, 18th, 19th at 7 p.m. And then a matinee at 1 p.m. on the 19th that will be um, kind of focusing on... Uh, anti-bullying and there'll be a discussion afterwards mm. for that so it'll be open to we're gonna we're hoping to get some students and out because cool. that's that's what made me start the start this process was my experience with people who were uh jerks like keith who framed me for no, no that kid was a bully i was if you've seen pictures <laughs> of me in elementary school I, I i wore ties to school and had big thick frame glasses i was not like typically not the victim. <laughs> this was my comeuppance to that kid oh, who great. was the bully Good. to me. Great. <laughs> great. Um, that makes yeah, it okay. So that, that's the show. <laughs> it's happening. I'm very, very thankful to have Dane uh, Stewart helping me on mm-hmm. on uh, PR and stuff. So I would like to just mention that um, it's also another up. activity of me letting go of control. You mm-hmm. know, letting people like delegating and. Um, uh, so I'm really happy to have his help and Sweet. hope to see you to the show. All of you. So you I guess guys so yeah, March 17th, <laughs> 18th, 19th, 20th, right? D- no, shows? No. Uh, 17th, no, two shows 18th, on the 19th. 19th the matinee. And two it. shows on the 19th. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And theater St. Catherine. And I mean, and I guess 
is there are you going to be doing this in the Montreal French Fest too? Uh, no, I'll be Damn doing it. a different show uh, with Ottawa Alistair Knowles. I'll be doing this show at the Ottawa French. Yes, so I there you be. go. If you miss it, go to Ottawa. And if you're listening across yeah, Canada, I'll... I guess just keep an eye out for Blindside because it'll be we have other Canadian listeners other than Montreal. So yeah, and I'll be in Orlando, Florida in May. I'm going to the Orlando Fringe. Nice. Uh, so it should be time. Sweet. Thanks so much mm-hmm. for uh, being on the show, Steph. Any last words, Walter? Uh, Steph, always a pleasure. Um, Steven? So nice to hear you, boys. Nice to talk to you. <laughs> See you in a couple weeks. forward to seeing your show in a few weeks, yeah. Thanks so much for doing the yeah, show, Steph. Cool. No problem. See you guys soon. Those sweet, sweet piano tunes you're listening to right now come courtesy of Leland Beckman and Oral Turpitude. Oh man, that was some great podcasting, wasn't it? Anyhow, be sure, as always, to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, add us on iTunes, buy our stuff, and basically try as hard as you can to make us happy in every single way possible. Uh, of course, be sure to check back every day on 95.cc for Comics on Wednesdays, Podcasts on Thursdays, Scott or Sophie's Art on Fridays, and seriously, we'll try as hard as we can to get Zombies and Loathing, Fuck Mondays, and Templars back as soon as we can. Thanks for listening, everyone. 95.cc We're not working. Why should you?